Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast is my friend Carlos Barbagelletta. Yeah. Is that close, Carlos? Yeah, that's good. Close enough. <laughs> and I'm just going to put Carlos on hold for a second. Um, I wanted to read a couple of the reviews that you're giving our podcast. These are on the Apple platform, and I appreciate this. This first review I'll read is a wonderful podcast for those who want inspirational stories. Brother Osler talks um, with members of the church who have faced tough times in their journeys and have managed to overcome them. This type of podcast is needed. Virtually everyone has something that dogs them every day. This podcast helps folks to realize they're not alone in the struggle. It's hopeful. And a second one, um, the name of this review is called Very Fitting Title. And this is the review. If you listen, you will learn. If you learn, you will love. The podcast has been a great blessing in my life to listen to various stories and experiences of many people has helped me become a better disciple of Christ, a better husband and father. If you want to be a better person who is more charitable and loving, then listen, learn, and love. Thank you, Papa Osler. So um, thank you for writing those reviews. It's really a tribute to the guests, and they're being brave enough to share their story. And so all of our guests, I thank you. All our listeners, thank you. And my job here as a podcast host is to bring stories to life. And I've never been to podcast host before. I didn't go to podcast podcast host school, and I'm just honored to do this. But I think it really is probably from all the YSA Bishops interviews I did, maybe two or 3,000. And I always felt in those interviews, my job was to really understand where someone was, get on their road, so I could really understand where they were and fully minister to them. And sometimes that took multiple interviews where most of the time I do, I would just ask questions and listen. And that was just part of me trying to understand where people were so I could fully kind of meet them where they are or were and just provide suggestions for them. So maybe this podcast is a little bit of that where people come on and and you and me together are learning their stories. So my guest is Carlos. Let me give you a little background on Carlos. He's been patiently waiting while I went off on my little bit of a um, introduction. Um, Carlos is someone that our family has known for a long time. He comes from the same high school here in Salt Lake City that our six kids went and graduated. He's a little older than my oldest. You're th How old are you, 30 right now? Yeah, thir thir 31 in October. 31 in October. And Carlos um, is a project manager at IHC. He has a um, a degree and a master's degree, both from the University of Utah. He's a master's in health promotion and education. So he's a very educated guy who is now using that education in a wonderful career at IHC. Carlos is gay. He's probably one of the first kids I've known, sort of my high school kid friend group that is gay. He'll talk about coming out as a sophomore at Cottonwood High School. And then his journey, really, the last 17 years, Carlos, can you believe it? Wow. <laughs> um, and Carlos is um, not coming here as an LDS person. So sometimes we'll have people on the podcast that are not LDS. Carlos has some LDS roots in him, um, but really is coming here as a Christian, a believer in God, sharing his journey as a gay man here in Salt Lake City. Is that a fair introduction, Carlos? Yeah, that's spot on. So even though Carlos isn't LDS, we offered a prayer here. And um, Carlos was comfortable doing that. And we just hope that you will hear things that will be helpful for you 
if you identify as LGBTQ, because Carlos has been on this road for um, quite a while, then maybe some of the insights that Carlos will share with you will be help you if you're a parent or even a local church leader. Maybe there'll be a nugget or two that Carlos um, will share that will give you added insight into our LGBTQ friends. So I really admire Carlos bravely coming on the podcast. This takes a lot of guts um, to walk in my front room. It's a beautiful summer night in July and just share their story. And I think it is a credit to Carlos. I think it probably helps most of my guests to be able to share their stories. There's something about a principle I think of just, we all need to be heard and we all need to be able to share our story. And I think that's just part of being human beings. And so this is a chance for Carlos to share his story. So I think it's probably good for Carlos. Um, And I hope you give him some positive feedback if you know Carlos, but I think it's also helpful for all of us. So it's kind of a win-win. But Carlos, tell us your cultural heritage and just say your last name again. Uh, My last name is Barba Gelada. Um, That is the coolest name. I get (laughs) hungry just hearing your name. What does your name make me think of food, Carlos? Um, Well, if you translate it in Italian, it means frozen beard. (laughs) I love that. There you go. Um, And it sounds like gelato. Yes. Um, So that's what I tell people when they have a hard time saying my last name. I say, you know, Barba and then gelato. I love Um, it. So kind of helps him think of a nice, yummy dessert. And tell us your cultural heritage, Carlos. Um, so I was born in Peru. Um, my, I'm Italian on my dad's side. Um, and Peruvian slash some um, Spanish, so, so from Spain, uh, on my mom's side. Um, we actually went to Spain last year, and uh, my mom visited her aunt, long-lost aunt that lives there, and she's been talking to through Facebook. Um, so I didn't get to meet her because I had to come back for work, but she did go to Spain and as much as jealous as I was, um, she had a good time and it was, it was cool. That's great. So you, would you consider yourself multi, multiple heritage, multiple culture? Yes. I, yeah, I do. And do you know more than English? Um, I know a little bit of Italian. I know Spanish, of course. You do know Spanish. You're mm-hmm. fluent in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some French. So I was able to talk French when I was in, in France. Um, last year. Um, but yeah, I know uh, some Latin, but not fluent at That's all. That's great. Yeah. And tell our listeners what you do with your career because you've got a master's degree. Tell all our listeners what you do professionally. So I'm a project manager for Intermountain Healthcare. So I work in the pulmonary and critical care department. Um, so we deal with people with uh, respiratory conditions. Um, pulmonary arterial hypertension, um, any pulmonary embolisms, um, and patients with sepsis. So we uh, do just research studies on them, whether they are federal studies or just a doctor who's curious about a certain condition. Um, So I kind of help them with kind of like the paperwork that goes with adult budgets, uh, invoicing, applications, federal, uh, and, um, organizational. So, and how long have you been out of graduate work? And, and I think you've been at a couple of hospitals. How long have you been in your career? So I graduated with my master's in 2014. So about five years. Um, and even before then I was still involved in research. I was doing some st- student work for, 
uh, my professors, helping them with their research. So I've essentially been doing research for about, um, gosh, 10 years or so. And if I had talked to you back at Cotton High School in Salt Lake City, would you have told me you'd be doing this kind of work? Or are you like a typical high school kid that says, I just didn't know? Or did this kind of, was an area you're interested in? Um, I was always interested in the health field. Um, definitely not research. Um, I always wanted to be a nurse or a, a doctor. Um, but once I started college, I kind of discovered that um, I was more interested in actually doing the research work and um, digging through articles and journals and kind of expanding my knowledge in that sense of the word. Um, but I, I mean, I, I've done some nurse work before, but it was definitely more of the research that attracted me to it. And um, did you live your whole life in Salt Lake City, Carlos? Um, no. So I was born in Peru. I came, That's right. Yeah, I came to the States when I was about 12 years old. Um, and then um, I lived in Florida for a year or so. Um, then we moved to Utah. What brought your family to Utah? Um, my uncle actually lived here way before we came to the States. And he was doing real estate. And um, back then... Um, I guess it must have been really nice to live, to move to Utah because um, my parents just kind of came and loved it, fell in love with the city. And um, they were always wanting, you know, better for us and kind of chasing the American dream. So we, um, they made a decision to kind of get our stuff, you know, worked out. And we ended up moving here a couple of years later. Um, so, yeah, yes, Florida then Salt Lake. And then for a few months, my dad got a job in San Diego. So I kind of followed him for a few months and San Diego's great. Do you, what grade were you here when you moved to Salt Lake City? I started like my last few months of uh, sixth grade. So, okay. Yeah. And then I moved right into Bonneville Junior High and I started school there for sure. Talk to us about coming to terms with being gay. How old were you when you knew you were not straight? And maybe mm -hmm. it took those a period of time when you went from, I know I'm not straight to I'm gay. And yeah. just tell us a little bit about that road. Um, gosh, from what I can remember, um, I it must have been when I was about 10 or 11 that I started kind of looking at, at guys and kind of not understanding why I was focusing more on guys. But um, I mean, at that age, you don't really think much of it. Um, but as I was getting older, um, I, I guess I, I, I've heard of the term gay and uh, I was starting to be like, okay, maybe I am gay. Maybe uh, I was still coming to terms with it. It wasn't until, I guess, shortly before I moved to the States that I kind of came to terms with it. I was like, yep, yeah, I'm gay. I don't really... I'm attracted to to women. Um, and then when you say you're attracted to women, you mean females. I mean okay. girls, yeah. yeah. You're not attracted to women. No, I'm not. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, so uh ever since then I I just remember focusing on on guys. Um how old were you when you this sort of happened? Uh around yeah, eleven, twelve. Eleven, twelve. Yeah. So ten was sort of the first yeah, the first that I can and eleven recall. or yeah. by the time it, you're twelve, thirteen, are you are you feeling like yeah, I'm gay? Yes, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And as you're just learning about this to yourself, was that scary? Was it, was it okay? Did you talk to God? Cause I, mm-hmm. I just kind of, and the reason I ask that question is there are other people that are just probably listening that haven't told anybody. Yeah. And they kind of help them just share with us that period of time. Um, I, let's see, I remember that I, it was more of like a confusing time for me um, because at that age, you know, your, your friends have girlfriends and um, you're like, maybe, well, why, why don't I really want a girlfriend? And um, what I remember is I don't, I wasn't really, um, at that age, I, I don't think I was very, uh, like questioning it that much. Uh, it was more of like, okay, well, cool. I'm just going to go hang out with my friends and play soccer or play video games. Uh, it wasn't something that I paid much attention to it because I wasn't really around it that much. And I didn't really, it didn't, never came up. Um, it wasn't until I actually came to the States, um, that I encountered, um, the desire for, to actually have something with a guy. Um, and then, then I started kind of questioning like, okay, maybe I, for sure I am, I am gay. Um, and then I, I don't, I never asked God or anybody about it. I was very private when it came to that. Just because I knew there was some stigma to it, um, there, it was always kind of like, "Oh, you're gay." Because I, I remember some. Uh, I actually remember uh, back when I was younger, some uh, kids were kind of spreading rumors about this guy being gay, and they were making fun of him. And um, I, at that age, I didn't really want that for myself because I That's was honest. I was the new kid. Um, I. You know, I wanted to make friends. I wanted to kind of fit in. Um, you know, at 13, 14, you don't really know uh, how to stand up for people or, you know, to do the right thing. Um, but that that kind of made me more uh, secretive about it, I guess. I didn't really tell anybody until I was a little bit older. Um, and then it became more of like, okay, well, I'm, I am who I am. I'm happy with that. It's a really good answer, and I've, I haven't thought about the added complexity of moving to a new country mm-hmm. and a logical feeling of wanting to belong to your new friend group. Yeah. And you're making—it's not just moved across the city, Carlos. You moved to a different country, yeah. and <laughs> you're wondering how that's going to look and, and just mm-hmm. wanting to fit in with all the other um, students at your school and your friend group. And so I get—yeah, it doesn't seem like a sign of weakness— Mm-hmm. You didn't want to talk about it or come out. It just seems like pretty logical. And so what caused, tell our listeners what age you were when you came out and why you came out. Um, I came out at around age 14. So I was a, a sophomore in, in high school. Um, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, so I was in the drama department, you know, typical. <laughs> um, but I remember we, uh, it was just after play practice. So we were practicing for our musical, uh, Fiddler on the Roof. And I remember, um, I, I met one of the leads. His name was Levi. He, he was an, uh, a guy that was obviously out. He was a senior in high school. 
Um, he had lots of friends. He was, you know, one of the popular kids. Um, but we became friends through the play. And uh, I remember one afternoon, he was during play practice. We, it was just not our, our turn to practice. Uh, we were sitting down and I was like, hey, like, can I talk to you for a little bit? And I just kind of explained myself and I kind of came out to him. And he was the first person that I ever came out to. Um, and then we, you know, he explained to me like, hey, you know, it's okay. It's, it's cool. It's normal. You don't have to be worried about anything. Um, so that was a, a big help for me in my journey to coming out and being okay with myself. Because um, I, I trusted him. I knew that he was someone that I could confide in. That's cool. So, yeah, that, that helped me a lot. You said something interesting there, too. You said Levi was someone that was out and mm-hmm. had a lot of friends. Yeah. And I, I think that's good that you saw that and that Levi could be out and that people around him still love Levi for who he is and just mm-hmm. that you could see that. And so a lot of things lined up that I can see where the logic, I can probably come out to this guy. Yeah. How did you feel coming out? Did it make you feel better? Did it just keep you the same or... Um, it, it was a huge weight off my shoulders. Um, I, I felt like I could, at least with one person, be myself. Um, and I remember um, shortly after, I mean, we would go to lunch together, hang out with his friends. And um, it was more of like, I was slowly coming out of my shell at the same time that I was coming out to individuals. Um, so it was kind of a twofold thing, which was great for my self-esteem. Um, because I mean, it, it's high school, it's a little rough, you will same thing you want to fit in. So, um, having someone that, that in my eyes was like me, uh, being able to fit in, gave me kind of hope and, um, just more, uh, incentive to, um, to try and be myself. I like that. A lot of uh, my guests talk about this huge weight. They use that same vocabulary, Carlos, a huge weight taken off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And and I've wondered just what that's like to be able to, you know, have somebody see you for who you are. Um, a lot of our listeners talk about you have to fit in in our culture and the church. And church is true. We're not really talking too much about religion on this podcast. But to be able to belong, mm-hmm. I read this quote a lot, fitting in is, is assessing a situation of becoming who you need to be in order to fit and belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires yeah. you to be who you are. And so for you to be able to be who you are to Levi and then a, a group of people there seems like a weight would be lifted off your shoulders. Yeah. And slowly after that, I was able to come out to more and more people and kind of having them see who I really was. And, you know, to some people they were like, Oh yeah, I knew like there was, nothing changed they had um, say that explain that to us they knew what they knew that i was gay um they could they kind of figured it out i guess because i have no idea they just, they just they just knew um i you know i never questioned that uh you know i i i would tell them hey you know like i'm gay and they're like oh okay cool yeah i i kind of figured it out it's like oh all right cool that's that's well, Okay, great. <laughs> um, so that uh, that kind of helped um, in my confidence as well to be more uh, able to tell more people. And um, 
uh, as, as things started developing, I was able to, you know, come out, be open to anybody who kind of asked and just all of my friends. And um, I, uh, all of my friends were very re receptive and great. Talk about coming out to your family. Um, I know you've got just, I don't know how many siblings you have. Just talk about coming out to your siblings and your parents. Uh, so my family was a little bit different. Um, it was, it was not planned. Um, I remember that um, I, at that time I had a, a, a boyfriend and we were hanging out at the mall and some of were my... Were you a junior, a senior at this point, still a sophomore? I think it must have been at the beginning of junior year. Okay. Um, so we were hanging out at the mall and uh, some of my brother's friends saw me with my boyfriend holding hands or, you know, doing whatever. Um, and they told my brother, who in turn told my parents. Um, so when I came home that night, they were all like kind of waiting for me in the living room. And uh, they're like, you know, what? We heard some stuff, like what's going on? Um, so I kind of had to tell them right there on the spot, um, which was kind of hard because I, I wasn't planning on coming out to them, you know, for a while because uh, they're my parents and I don't know, it just felt kind of weird. But it helped in the sense that it was out there now. They knew who I was for reals. And um, I'm very thankful that my family was able to understand, even if it was foreign to them, they were very open to it. Um, they, what I remember as clear as water, um, they were telling me it's that as long as I'm happy, they will be happy. So that was something that kind of helped me through talking to them more and more and coming out to them. Um, we all did go to therapy for a while, not you know, for, because there was something wrong. It was more of a, a place for all of us to kind of talk in an open and safe space. Um, we did that, for, I must, I'm trying to remember, but it was probably for a few months. Um, and then we kind of just decided to kind of take it off and kind of deal with it on our own. We, you know, things were out there now. We knew how to deal with each other. Um, and then ever since then, it's been... Uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, it's, like I said, as long as I'm happy, they're happy. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. It's good. If your family's listening, good job. <laughs> and sometimes people do come out before they're ready in a situation like that. And sometimes a member comes out on their own terms. Sometimes mm -hmm. parents are waiting for someone to come out. I've heard a lot of stories where parents kind of know, but they give that child um, coming out on their own terms, but every story is different. So this is a story where you're, you know, you did come out a little before, but at the end ended up being a better, it ended up being good experience. Yes. How yeah. was your brother? Cause sometimes the straight brothers and it's a little weird for them to have a gay brother. How is your brother doing? Um, he's doing great. Great. Um, at the beginning it was kind of difficult cause he, he was kind of the polar opposite of me. So he was in the football team. He was, a quarterback he you know he did everything i mean he's two years younger than me so he uh he, at, the, at the time he kind of well he looked up to me and uh at the time he was kind of like 
iffy because he didn't know. He was like, oh, you like guys? Like, that's kind of weird. Um, but as we kind of grew up and we talked more and we we're hanging out more, he became kind of used to it and very accepting. And now we're, we, we, I, I feel like we have a pretty good relationship. Um, he, uh, he works out of state, so he's not in Salt Lake. Um, but we, we try to stay in touch and, uh, though, even though it doesn't always happen, we, we do talk and he always asks me how I'm doing, how things are. And I really appreciate that because it, it, it's good to know that you still matter to your family. That's good. And I like that. And it sounds like your family's doing a good job. What advice, Carlos, would you have for parents? Um, just, you know, is what advice would you have for parents if they think they've got a gay kid mm-hmm. or a trans kid? Um, what advice would you have for them if that kid hasn't come out and, you know, just in the pre-coming out stage? I would definitely say to well three things one to listen two to keep an open mind and three to make a safe environment for that person um it helped me knowing even before coming out to my parents that i knew they they cared for me no matter what and that they loved me so i feel like if you know for any parents who are who think their their child might be in the LGBT community. Um, yeah, just be open, be understanding and talk to your kids, even though they might not want to talk to you. Um, and if they, if a kid comes out and a parent, in this case, your parents kind of suspected it because mm-hmm. of what your brother said, but what, what advice do you have for parents if a child's first coming out to them? Um, the same, just listen, just listen. Um, because when you're coming out, you just want to, kind of pour your soul out to that one person or to that group of people you're coming out to. Um, listen, understand, and then, uh, you know, be uh, be caring and understand that it's a difficult thing for that person to do. Um, because it is. It's, you're, it's a li- to me, it's a, a life-changing event in your life. Because you go from being who kind of people want you to be to being who you really are. So I, I, I think that it's, it's one of those major life events for, for, for someone. Um, were you out, at, if I go back to your graduating year 22007, roughly 12 years ago at Cottonwood, were you out during your senior year broadly or just to kind of your friend group or... Um, I was out broadly. Like I, I didn't really announce it to everybody that I was gay. But if anybody came up to me and was my friend, or anybody is like, "Hey, are you are you gay?" I was like, "Yeah." I I, I wasn't really apprehensive or any very shy about it. Um, I was pretty open about that. Yeah. And what what was the cu- culture like at the high school? Were you bullied for being gay? Were you teased? Were you taunted? Or were you not? Um, I consider myself very lucky because I didn't experience any of that, um, at least, you know, to my face. Um, but I, the, the culture that I, that I was, that was surrounded with, uh, I was a theater kid in high school. So, uh, I was surrounded by people who, you know, weren't, may not be 
you know, in quotes, popular or anything, but we all were uh, like a family uh, doing plays together, play practice until like seven or eight at night every single day. Or, you know, we knew each other pretty well. Um, and even my friends, I have friends in uh, who were student body officers and they were great. I don't, I don't think I ever even heard of any bullying uh, in the high school. That's great. Um, I don't, uh, I mean, it, it didn't happen to anybody in my group. Um, but I feel like I, I was a pretty friendly person in high yeah. school and I knew most people. So I, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that it didn't happen, but uh, to me, like, like I said, I'm pretty thankful and fortunate that it didn't happen. Um, I had a, a good support group in, in school. Were, did you have LDS friends as a senior in high school and, and were you out to them? It's kind of a three-part question. Mm-hmm. Did they treat you any different than the non-LDS students or is it hard to generalize like that? Um, so I did have LDS friends in high school. Um, no, I don't, they didn't treat me any differently. Um, there might have been some, um, I guess, um, a little bit of apprehension, um, you know, because it's high school rumors get started. Sometimes if you're hanging out with too, you know, too much with your straight friends, they might think, oh, your straight friends are gay too and things like that. But for the most part, I don't, I never had any issues with, with my friends being rude or any, um, misunderstandings. Uh, so any issues like that, I, I don't recall. I don't, I had pretty positive. I didn't experience any of that. And, um, it's a credit to you, Carlos. It's a credit to your friends. One of the things about our local high school that we love is the culture. Mm-hmm. My wife's been involved in the PTA there and we've, it's a cult. It's, a school um, that has less now, it's less than 50% Caucasian. So it's not a typical Salt Lake City high school. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of diversity there. And our kids are Caucasian. <laughs> um, we couldn't quite control that <laughs> since we're both Caucasian. But we have loved our, you know, Caucasian LDS kids being at Cottonwood because of the diversity that's there. And yeah. We think that's really helpful for them to prepare them for the real world and have people in their lives that are from all different walks of life. Um, my wife grew up in Houston and really loved that. She was LDS in Houston, and there was only a couple in her high school that were LDS, and she loved that environment. I grew up in Salt Lake City, and as we were courting and getting married, we really prayed and thought hard about where to raise our kids, listeners, and Carlos, because we wanted to give them we wanted to get them out of a bubble of just a homogenous um, experience, not yeah. only just religiously, but culturally. And we weren't thinking um, LGBTQ diversity back then, but we've really enjoyed our high school. And I'm glad that you, you know, being somebody that was born in Peru and someone that's gay and um, felt um, a space, space there at Cotwood. And it's one of my impressions always about Carlos, because I've known Carlos you know, at times I've just, we've just, we've been friends on social media and Twitter and mm-hmm. Facebook. And yeah. um, you dated a man in our ward who ended up getting married to somebody else. But I've always just sensed a peace about you and a lack of anger um, and a real calmness about you. I would kind of trace that back to your spirit. 
and just the really mature, calm spirit. I'm sure you've had anger and pain at times, but I wonder if it's helped that you haven't had a a difficult family situation or different friends situation or a high school situation and just felt people kind of love Carlos and want to be around (laughs) Carlos and saw your gifts and just recognized you're a really good guy and and didn't really define you by being gay and just kind of saw you as a friend. So Mm -hmm. that's a credit to you and perhaps a credit to your peer group and and what we can role model. Any other thoughts on that before we move on? Uh, no, I mean, I, I've always been surrounded with uh, people that I, I can trust. And I, that's something that I kind of set for myself um, as I kind of grew uh, more and more. And even uh, with my LDS friends, I mean, I've, from a younger age, uh, even after they knew I, I was gay, um, that didn't change with the, the parents of my friends who were LDS. I would still hang out with them at their house. We would go camping or whatever. And it wasn't never um, awkward or it was like, oh, Carlos has to sleep somewhere else or like kind of weary about like, oh, he's hanging out with so-and-so. And That's it was, great. yeah, I'm it, really glad to hear it was that. a good situation. And I, so I feel you didn't I make any of your straight friends gay just by being in the same area with them? Nope. Nope. Not in the same car. Not, no. Yeah. So well, I kind of tease, but you know, <laughs> I just like, you know, that parents yeah. were able to recognize that, mm-hmm. that, um, that's all, that makes me happy. Any feel, you know, some of the LDS, um, listeners will talk to God quite a bit and say, why did you make me gay? Or this is a really hard road. Why didn't you just make me mm-hmm. straight? Yeah. Did you do any of that? Or are we just kind of at peace? This is who I am. And God, did you ever feel like, God didn't love you or any just kind of challenges with God on your journey? No. Um, I never kind of questioned uh, why I was the way I am. Um, I never really asked God for any, you know, why. Um, I was always... um, kind of aware of who I was. And I think that just comes from from my early age, just kind of being curious and kind of, in a way, knowing. Um, that kind of helped me kind of be okay with who I was later in life. Um, I never really uh, thought that God was guilty or anything. He made me a certain way because, you know, he hated me or anything. I I was always at peace with, uh, with God. I, I've always, I've never heard, like held anything against God or questioned anything like that. Do you know why you're able to do that? Because um, I assume you know some people aren't where you are mm-hmm. that are LGBTQ and their feelings about God. Any thoughts on wh- why you are that way? I I believe that it's, it stems from um, my, uh, my Catholic background. And I think... M- mainly my parents, um, that you know, they always told me, you know, God loves you no matter what. Um, no matter how hard things are, you can always count on God and that, to help you in any way. Um, it might not be immediate, but it will happen eventually. Um, so I think that kind of helped me get in a, in a frame of mind to not put blame or hate on anybody else. Uh, and that doesn't mean that I placed any of that on myself either. Um, I was 
pretty aware of who I was and I I did I I feel like I didn't need to change myself to fit in. Um maybe earlier in life I may have felt that, but as I was coming out and as I was seeing the reaction of people that they were accepting, I was like, yeah, I I'm very happy with who I am. Uh, and even before um I I don't recall any instances of me just having that questioning mindset. It's a great answer, Carlos. It's just helpful for me to hear yeah. that. And I, I like the way you tied that probably back to your parents and how they taught you about God. And um, that we, it's the same doctrine, I think, as the Catholic Church believes, as the LDS Church believe, that we have a loving God who loves us and we're his children. Mm-hmm. And he will always love us, and he wants us to be in their lives. And so I love that they, those core Christian principles your parents taught you and how that you know sustained you mm-hmm. during this time. Were you emotionally okay in high school? Some that I meet with you know, are really suicidal, um, attempting yeah. suicide, thinking of suicide. And some that I talk to during high school I have hard days, but probably they're generally okay. Any thoughts on that for you? Um, I was generally okay. Um, I definitely struggled a little bit, um, you know, fitting in a little bit, um, making friends at the very beginning. But um, for the most part, I I always had my brother. Like he has helped me a lot. Um, What's um, his name? Uh, his name is Stefano. Okay. So he's a couple years younger than Yeah, you. he's two years younger than me. Um, I don't mean like all siblings, we fight. Sure. We'd say we hate each other, but we really don't. Um, he has been very great. Um, and believe it or not, I'm not the easiest person to get along with sometimes. And he will attest to that. But even if I'm mad at him and, or whatever, he'll tell me, you know, I love you no matter what. Like, you're, you're great. Uh, I look up to you and all that stuff. And having that at home and I help help me deal with, you know, at the very beginning, figuring out if I was, if I should come out or if uh, had a hard day. That coming home to that kind of helped me a lot. Um, so no, I don't. I don't think I ever had any any thoughts uh, like suicidal thoughts or anything. Um, just because I I had that support, and I know some people don't. Um, but I, I think that even if you have, uh, you know, one friend, whether it's a school or in your neighborhood, uh, knowing that at least one person cares, it, it can be a very powerful thing. What would you say, great answer, Carlos, what would you say, you're a really good guest on this podcast, <laughs> by the way. Thank you. What would you say to younger people that are thinking of suicide? What and maybe people reach out to you, Carl, just because they know you're gay and older and can be a mentor to them. What do you say when someone's suicidal? I that's a hard question. Um, I I haven't experienced that, um, to be honest. But I I I think I would tell that person that you know at least one one person loves them, and that makes a huge difference. Um, I know that that's a great answer. At least one person loves them. That is mm-hmm. so true, Carlos. Even if you don't, you know, if you feel like 
the whole world is against you, at least one person, whether it's you know, your cousin, your brother, or a distant cousin, or whatever. Uh, I think knowing that can make a difference, and knowing that you make a difference in one person, in one person's life, that is very powerful to me, at least. Um, like, uh, like I said, I haven't experienced those thoughts, but I mean, I've had very dark days before, and um, knowing that uh, at least I have one person that that I can go to, and they will listen, um, even if they don't say anything back, I I can talk to them. Um, that helps me, and I think that having you know to to someone else who's struggling with that, you know, and some people, I remember I would talk to my teachers sometimes, like college, high school, high school, high school teachers. Um, I would you know during lunch I would go and say hi to like my choir teacher. Which is that choir teacher still there? I wonder who that no. is. Okay, uh, she moved on. It was okay. uh, Miss Pike. Okay, she's shout great. out to Miss Pike if yeah, you're listening. No, she's great. Love her. Um, yeah, I would go and talk to her. I would talk to just anybody who would listen. Um, I know it's it's hard. It's hard to kind of open up to people who you don't really, you might not know that well. But if they're willing to listen, uh, talk to them. Because it makes a difference. It's really good and... While we're thinking of high school, um, my f- well, you're 12 years removed from high school, Carlos, if I'm doing the math right. Um, we're having the 40th, um, our 40th high school reunion. Stop. And so I'm at Highland High School of nice. Salt Lake City, and it's our 40th reunion. But this morning on my walk, I was thinking about the couple of gay men from a high school that aren't with us anymore and died of AIDS that I was never, never knew how to be kind to. I never knew, I knew they were gay, Carlos, Mm -hmm. but I just, I separated myself. I wasn't mean. I didn't say mean things in the hall, but I just didn't know how to be their friend. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe that was my job to separate myself from somebody that was gay back in 1979, and I'm thinking of those t- one man in particular, his name's on my mind right now, who, you know, left and and ended up dying of AIDS. And I recognize that in those days, there were just, it was harder to be emotionally healthy. It was harder to find community. It was harder to um, be where you are. So I don't think he was weak. I just think it was so hard um, during one men and women were coming out my age and I wish he were there at the high school reunion. You know, Carlos, you're going to have your 40th high school reunion one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're going to be there for it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be so glad you're there. And you may bring your husband, you know, if you're married at that point. And I think they'll just love both of you. And okay. I think that's, you know, I wish this fellow you know, had had maybe a little easier road and we had created more community for him and more love and more support and more understanding. And I love the way you just talked about you belonged at, at your high school. People really loved you and really cared about you. And you're really at peace with who you are and maybe came out a little broader and knew that that weight was taken off your shoulders. So I just share that as kind of a reflective moment mm-hmm. to know how that I think we're progressing as a society. But recognize that, you know, there's a lot of pain in the past 
and a lot of we've lost a lot of good people and he won't be there at that reunion where now I sort of could go up to him and just give him a, his name Paul just a hug and say Paul I sure enjoyed being in high school with you and um so anyway it's just uh, I maybe that's one of the reasons I do these podcasts is a little bit of regret that I just didn't know how to manage this space and be friends with people that were gay um I asked you this question ahead of time, so I kind of know the answer, but I, if I had a button I could push over the table, it was the big red, I'll push it and I'm straight button. Um, so would you push it, Carlos? Would you like to be straight, married to a woman? No. Why? Because I'm, I'm happy with who I am. I know that who I am is who I'm meant to be. I don't want to be anybody else and I you know it I'm I'm happy with me I think that's a really good answer mm -hmm. um and I think that's a reflection of you and your maturity and the and the society that you don't that you can belong on who you are my LDS friends you know I still invite you to stay within the teachings of our church and to follow the church but if you feel like you know, if you self-choose a different path, I'll still be your friend. I'll still be in your life. And so I don't want to communicate just identifying as LGBTQ for you that are LDS means you leave the LDS church. I think that's a, and sometimes we're worried if someone identifies that that's the first step to leaving, but I think it's the first step to just healing. Yeah. And it's the first step to just maybe having a better relationship with God and with your family and with your friends you know, just to be in a better spot to make better decisions. Mm -hmm. I've always thought, you know, people should be the very best selves they can be before they make decisions. And you seem to have done a pretty good job of that. Thank you. Um, tell us about your life station right now. Do you have a boyfriend? I don't. I'm, I'm single. You're single? Um, yeah. Um, have you had serious relationships or have you mostly just been single? Um, I've had very serious relationships. Um, it, you know, I've learned from all of them, as we all do, um, and I've grown because of them, and I'm the person who I am because of them. Um, yeah, it's it's been a rough journey, but it's been good because I've been able to understand more about myself and what I want, what I need, and who I am. Yeah, and, it, you know, if you're if you want to find a husband, I would... Honor your individual decision, Carlos. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that um, lots of times people that I meet as they were finally finding their partner, those prior relationships gave context. Oh, because yeah. just like you're saying, some of those relationships at times when I talked to the YSAs when they were finally getting married, we'd look back on their prior relationships and they had more context for why difficult things happen. And, and some of those were really painful. Yeah. And, um, but then there was such hope. Um, so yeah, I know you're kind of pursuing a path that's not in the doctrine of our church. I think all of our listeners, but you're not in our church. <laughs> um, and you're just a good guy trying to, so I honor that you want to find a husband. I don't feel any desire to sort of course correct you using my language and say, well, Carlos, really? <laughs> I just like your family's doing, your friends doing, your parents are doing, they're letting you self-determine the right path for you. And our job, I think, is to put our arms around you and love you so you can make really thoughtful decisions. Yeah. Okay. You okay with what I said? Yeah, definitely. Is that okay? Yeah, I, I, 
appreciate that. It's it's good to to know and to hear, um, you know, not and not to not put anything on anybody. There, and and for me, when I came out, um, knowing that I had LDS friends, I knew, you know, the LDS had some stance on uh, people who identify themselves as LGBTQ. Um, but that uh, never really affected my view on people who are LDS. Um, I never for one second experienced any hate or animosity or any different treatment from any of my friends or their families who were LDS. And you know, that includes you guys because I've known you guys for a long, long time. Um, so I I really appreciate that and it it is good to hear. And I think there's a doctrinal foundation. I look at um, Christ and he's, there's a picture of him in our room here as we're recording. And I just looked what I, I look at what he did and he just loved everybody. And he mm-hmm. taught, you know, if you love me, he taught, you know, these two great commandments, you know, love thy father with all thy heart and love thy fellow men as thyself. And so you're my fellow traveler here. And so my job, I think, is to just love people and support people and, and I leave any judgment to God yeah. um, and his perfect understanding. It's my, not my job. I sometimes think my baptism covenant doesn't require me to see, to assess your relationship with God. It's about my relationship with God. Yeah. And I just honor your journey and, and want, and I think in a pragmatic way, if I, if you feel love and support, you're going to make better decisions. There's a lot of ways to live this world of trying to find a husband, you know, talk about, what, and that kind of leads maybe to something you shared before. You're not really a club scene guy. No. <laughs> um, and you're not a real big partier, I sense. Mm-hmm. And no. why? Um, I I was never into that scene. I, I think that kind of stems from um, my early days when I came out. Um, my parents were always, you know, there was always that stereotype of the gay community. Um, of the 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 partying and the um, you know every weekend party and uh, doing whatever, um, so my parents were always like you know do good things don't don't really go clubbing or anything. Uh, it's not like it was ever forced or anything. It was more of like I uh, I never really got into that. That being said, I I have gone to clubs with friends and hang out and had a good time. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do it. Um, I'm, it it's just, you're not going to find me at a club every weekend yeah. um, dancing or anything. I'm more of like a homebody kind of person. I like hanging out, hiking, watching Netflix, hanging out with my dog. Just the usual kind of stuff. Yeah. Tell us your dog's <laughs> breed and name. So I have a uh, mini Husky. Uh, his name is Zeke. Um, he is almost five years old and he is the most spoiled dog you'll ever meet. <laughs> and you are becoming a homeowner. You and Zeke yes. are going to move into a new home. Yes. I just bought, uh, a, a lot out in Daybreak. It's a community out West. Um, and we're building a, a house. So, and actually before coming here, I had a meeting with our contractors so we can finalize all all the construction stuff. How exciting and, yeah. is that, Carlos? 31 years old. You've got a master's degree. You've got a great job. 
um, and you're building a home. Way to follow your dream. Thank That's you. really, and I recognize, I mean, I just admire you. You know, you haven't, I sometimes worry that, um, you know, if we, I, I, I guess I think because you have family supporting you and friends supporting you and felt support around you as you made your way in life, you're less likely to find that in other areas that might be more self-destructive, like drugs, mm -hmm. heavy alcohol, just the sort of the vices that could really affect your life in a negative way Yeah, that can come from clubbing. So I've always wondered if I sort of cut you off and families cut you off and friends cut you off, that then you have to find community in places that are really unhealthy for you. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if that's part of your ability to sort of be who you are and recognize that's not my world. Um, and to just make really pretty thoughtful decisions um, going forward. So I think that's, uh, and I wish maybe that um, I'm going back to my high school friends, that if they had felt that sort of support, um, that perhaps they wouldn't have had to have gone where they went. That was mm -hmm. a, more of a destructive road. Yeah. And I think a lot, that has helped me with that is I've had uh, friends that, you know, were not really into that kind of stuff either. Um, that they really didn't really go clubbing or, you know, drink a lot or anything. Um, but like I said, I've, I've gone before. And it's a fun time every now and then. I, I won't say no if some friends are like, hey, let's go hang out at a bar or just go to a club and hang out for a little bit. I'm cool with that. Like I said, it's every weekend's not my kind of thing. Uh, How do you handle your relationship with God in the sense that do you think he looks down on you or is, condemns you for um, wanting to marry a man? Not one bit. Um, to me, it's I see God as, you know, if, if he knows you are a good person, good intent, you you know you do your best to be a good person you're good i don't i don't think that i'm being looked upon down upon because i have a couple beers or i hang out with some friends who i should not be hanging out um or anything like go clubbing or you know go out with a guy or anything um yeah that's, That's good. I just yeah. I appreciate answering that yeah, honestly, yeah. and I thank you for being honest and just how you'd answer that. So that's helpful for me. Um, before we went live, you can, you're in a short sleeve shirt, oh, and yeah. you've got some. My sons would say "sick tats." <laughs> that would be slang for a positive statement. For cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell us about um, the word on your left arm, I guess, mm -hmm. and the story behind that. Yeah. So you listeners can't see his left arm. <laughs> So I, I have a uh, Vegas strong tattoo on my left arm. And I was actually at the Vegas shooting uh, almost two years ago. Um, that was kind of my way of, um, I guess, paying some tribute that I survived and um, just that it actually happened. Because sometimes, yeah, I for a while it felt like it, I guess it, didn't that it was kind of like a horrible nightmare uh to say that but yeah so i you were there at the concert yes. when the shooting broke out yes i was how many were in your friend group so it was me two four yeah so it was five of us 
Yes. Yeah, five of us. Um, so we were about, uh, I would say, a football field away from the, the stage, maybe less. Wow. Like three quarters of a football field, maybe. Um, yeah. So I remember, um, I don't know if you want me to tell the whole story, but um, I, I guess I'll, I'll say that I, I remember um, when the shots started firing and when the lights went off and the music cut out. And people started running and, uh, yeah. Wow. How long, um, and you told me before we went live, your friend group separated. So yeah. Um, so how long of a time was it from when you realized this was real mm-hmm. um, till you realized you were safe? Um, how, was that, how long of a time was that? It felt like years. <laughs> um, it's honest. It. Honestly, I think it must have been like an hour or so, but it felt like the whole night. We were like running the whole night. Um, I believe I, the shooting started like at nine or so. And we finally got into a safe place at like 11 wow. o'clock, something like that. So like, like two hours, hour and a half. And you're communicating with your mom. That, yeah. And you're communicating your mom. You're not sure you're safe. So she, she's wondering, and you're wondering if this is last communication with your mom because you don't know exactly what's happening yeah. here. So we, I remember we were running um, away and we were on, we were on the strip running um, away from the strip. And I, I remember thinking I have to call my mom. So and it was like 11 o'clock here in Salt Lake. Um, so probably 10 in Vegas. But I remember calling her and um, I was frantically running. So I was out of breath. I was, you know, kind of crying and stressed out. I didn't know what was going on. So my mom answers all normal, like, hey, like, are you okay? What's up? And I, the first thing I tell her, because I don't think I have, you know, time or anything. I'm like, there's a shooting in Vegas. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I love you. Please take care of Zeke. I We're running. So. Wow. And Yeah. So that's not a call any parent wants to get at all. Um, so it it was very stressful for her and me. Because, um, yeah, we didn't know if we were going to make it out. Because at the time, uh, we thought there were shooters on the ground kind of going through every hotel. Um because we we were we were, we had the news on our, our phone like Twitter and you know YouTube like anything that was could tell us what was going on and people were saying you know r- reports of shooters in each hotel and down the street and in the airport and everywhere like everywhere so we were like okay well we're not gonna go anywhere so uh, so yeah it was a tough call to make I just yeah I thought it was my last phone call. And rightly so. Mm-hmm. I think that's helpful for us because I think I've never been where you have been in a shooting. And I, you know, so I see the story kind of in a Monday back, Monday morning quarterback where I understand there's one shooter up in a hotel, mm-hmm. um, high up in the air. And and when you t- teach me about that, I realize you had no idea where the shooter was. Yeah. If there were multiple shooters, rightly so, you're turning to social media because there's not like a loudspeaker with a the police chief yeah. speaking 
to all of you because he or she may not know what's going on either. Mm -hmm. So it's just pure terror, and you're seeing people that are injured. And well, yeah, so it's just pure terror, Carlos. Yeah, it was. It was definitely. It was very hard. And I remember, um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, before we went live, we uh, we went to a uh, a friend, a friend's brother picked us up and he's a cop. So we, we could listen um, the the cop radio and, you know, there were re reports of coming out everywhere. Like nobody knew what was real, what was not. So even they thought it was even chaos. They, they didn't know what was going on. So they couldn't act because they didn't know. So it was, yeah. Knowing that the cops don't know what's going on makes it even more scary. And I assume you expect experience some post-traumatic stress disorder yes. because of that I yeah mean, it's so just pure ps ptsd yeah i uh i went to therapy for a while good um it's it, a sign it, of strength yeah. carlos <laughs> it helped a bit um i still experience um some form of anxiety and uh slight ptsd when i'm in like very crowded places yeah rightly so um, like movie theaters and stuff like that like a crowded mall um, airports and stuff like that. Talk about CrossFit. That's part of your life. Yeah. Um, so I do CrossFit. I, um, I've been doing it for about, gosh, five years or so. Um, it's been great. It's an awesome experience and I came knowing nothing. So I know people say, oh, CrossFit's too hard or I can't do it. I couldn't even do a proper push-up when I started CrossFit. Um, so it's it's been a great, the CrossFit community here in Utah is great. Um, they have been awesome and have helped me through a lot of hard times. Um, especially after the shooting, I came back and I would go to the gym because I didn't know where else to go. Because I was like, I need to go somewhere. I don't want to be at home. I don't want to be anywhere crowded. I, yeah. So I would go to the gym a lot. And people at the gym, you know, they were willing to listen uh, to my story, even though I would, you know, go off on everything that happened to the my, most minute detail. Um, it's part of healing. Yeah. They would just listen. And that helped me a lot in, in, to heal and to kind of come to grips. Does that community know you're gay and are they okay with yes. that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, after high school, I just, uh, you know, anybody who wanted to know, I just told. Um, it wasn't anything that I was kind of shy or ashamed of or anything like that. Um, all my friends knew from the very beginning, like, oh, yeah, he's gay. Cool. Um, even my community, they knew. Even when I was, I, I became a, a coach for a while. Um, they all knew and it's it's been great. Uh, the community is amazing. Uh, I still have friends that I go running with every week. Uh, I go to different gyms with every week, even strangers. Uh, gyms that I, you know, never gone to and I'm brand new. They're super friendly and they want to get to know you and, you know, they're, they want to be your friend and kind of get to know a new person, even if they're only going to see you once. They want to make sure that you're welcome into their space. That's and, yeah, it's it's a great community. I'm very it's lucky great, and happy that I found great. it. Any final things you'd like to share with our listeners, Carlos? Um, 
just you know if you have ever felt um alone or without um without hope or anything like that just you know know that at least one person cares um i know that it's it might not be um what you want to hear because sometimes you know the person that you think cares you might not you know be super close to them or it might be someone that you don't talk to that often but there's someone at least one person who cares um so you know don't be afraid to reach out even if it it's for a quick hello or hey what's up it it makes a difference in your life and in their life because they know that you are comfortable with them with talking to them so yeah just be open um yeah that's great carlos um i just grateful um for you being on the podcast carlos and just getting to know your story better it's it's a great way for me to get to know it because you know i've never really sat down and really heard your full story and and i just recognize you know your contributions to society um, what you're doing at IHC, your desire to get advanced education, and your role, you know, as I sort of stepped in this space, I, I quit seeing LGBTQ people as kind of an other group of people that was threatening to me. And yeah, um, you know, we have a wonderful family here and wonderful kids, but I don't see you somehow as an outside threat to my family. I just look at you as mm-hmm. one of God's children um, that has a relationship with God and is trying to make the best way you can in life. And I recognize that as, but, you know, and I recognize your contributions to society with what you're doing, you know, with your work at the hospital and how you're taking on a a medical issue and trying to help heal other people through your, the expertise you've acquired and the research you're trying to do. And I'm excited for you to own a home and I'm, and I reckon, and I just, it's just helpful for me to have people like you in my life. We're all just the same human family. You know, I look from our doctrine is just that God has all of these children on the earth and you're my brother. You're not, you know, we're part of the same family, Carlos, even though you're 20 years younger. Well, 27 (laughs) years younger than me, you're born in a different country. Um, I just look at, you know, the the differences is not differences necessarily that should separate mm-hmm. us, but I look for the common ground that we're all God's children and we kind of need each other. Yeah. Now, if you joined ISIS and want to bomb my family, I'd probably put a barrier. Yeah, that might. Um, and I joke about that, but you're not, you know, yeah. you're just going about living your life and the very best way you can. And and the only advice I'd give you is the very advice you're doing is just continue to make good decisions. And I love that you're close with God. I really believe God loves all of his children and nothing we can do can take us outside of God's love. He can be displeased with us, but nothing we can do can cause God not to love us and want to help us and want uh, to be in our lives. So that's one of the things I think Carlos is sharing. And one of the things I'd encourage all of our listeners is to stay close with God you're not sure he's there, I don't know what to say. Maybe you can rely on my um, belief or Carlos's belief that he's there, but I, he really is there, and I really believe he loves you and will help you. And if you're LGBTQ, I don't think he's up there thinking that you're any lesser. 
or that something went awry. This is just who you are, just like Carlos feels really at peace that this is who he is. And I think if you feel that way, you make better decisions because like Carlos doesn't look in the mirror and see someone that's broken or somebody that's flawed. Yeah, we all are mortal and make mistakes, but Carlos doesn't look on his orientation um, as something that's God's ashamed of. So anyway, um, thank you, Carlos. I'm going to try your last name again. Let's see how close I get. Barba Galetta? Close. Gelata. Gelata. Like Barba Gelata. Yeah. Um, so Carlos Barba Gelata, you're a good man. And thank you thank for you. joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.